It's Pia Boys, you know, Shashakaroni Obama. And John to toilets now, watching all the movies that I miss on Mr. Duck and Bird God. I like you boom boom down. It's Pia Boys, you know, Shashakaroni Obama. And John to toilets now, watching all the movies that I miss on Mr. Duck and Bird God. I like you boom boom down. Yahweh! What's up, Fudge Packers? Welcome to Pure Boys Podcast. Urine! Urine! I think that's the perfect transition to me. Once you say urine, <laughs> then I can say urine, and we won't be stumbling over each other, you know? That's brilliant. It's like a throw to you type of thing, you know? It's like, and now to Jonathan Toilet Toilet, urine! Exactly, because we like to mix it up with our intros. We don't want to be some soy boys doing the same thing every single time. Yeah. So that'll be a good time placement. <laughs> we don't want to do the same thing every single time, but here's the thing we're going to do the same way every single time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, naturally. <laughs> of course. It's good to have some fun with it, but you need to have hard endpoints on things. Oh, yeah, you got to have rules. Of, of course. <laughs> what kind of rules? Like rules for how to survive the rapture? <laughs> uh, there are no rules when it comes to the rapture, except for all the biblical ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And according to my uh, to the uh, PureFlix Apocalypse End Times guide that I read before this, uh, nobody can agree on anything in regards to the rapture anyway. So, really? Uh, yeah, it's, there is so much just variation on what people think is going to happen. People are like, oh, we're going to get raptured right at the start of it. Oh, we're going to get raptured in the middle of it. Maybe we'll get raptured at the very end and have to suffer for all that time beforehand. And people just don't know what they're talking about. It's uh, Anyway, I'm Zachary Obama. And I am Jonathan Toilet Toilet, the two toilet kid, coming at you, fudge packers. Pew, pew, pew. Flush, flush. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Creamy. This week, we are talking about the 2011 Pure Flix original, Jerusalem Countdown. A.K.A. See Something, Say Something, the movie. <laughs> yeah. A.K.A. Half-assedly do your job and then go, I didn't make it on time. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah, oh, we'll get into it. Can't wait, yeah. <laughs> this we, we decided to do our first... A, like a uh, rapture, you know, uh, revelations movie. Uh, this and this seemed like a good one to start with. It's a it's a Pure Flix original. It stars our love and Lord and Savior David A. R. White, and uh, you know it. Uh, oh, and also th th there's a great cast in this movie, and we'll get to all of them. But uh, just yeah, this seemed like a good place to start. Yeah, it uh, it had everything we wanted. It had rapture. It had Fat Scott Ackerman, who I don't think looks like a Fat Scott Ackerman. Looks exactly like and a Fat Scott Ackerman. And it Aukerman. also has an amazing celebrity cast of characters. <laughs> yeah, it really does, yeah. Do you think that Stacy Keach is a big name? Well, then you're going to love this movie. People think that's a big name, and they probably did like a day or two on set, all of these big names that are on the poster, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it really pays off. Well, I'll tell you this much. Randy Travis spent an afternoon sitting in TJ's pub in Jamestown, Virginia, and then he sat in a car for a little while, and that was his day, and then he cashed the check. Yeah. How much cash do you think he checked? Oh, that's tough. I didn't see... Like, you're usually the money man, so I don't know what the budget was for this movie or anything like that, but I, if I had to guess, I'd say probably about $400,000. 
<laughs> for an afternoon of work. Yeah, for memor- for memorizing ten lines and scowling a lot. Yeah, to you know, incite domestic hysteria, <laughs> you gotta have like a little bit of mo- money, right? Of course, yeah. And you gotta pony up if you're gonna get a big name like Randy Travis to be in your movie. Yeah, Randall H. Travis at the height of his career too. Oh, for sure, Randall Travel. That that show was enormous. It was everywhere. <laughs> Has anybody pitched that to him? Probably every day. I, <laughs> I mean, he could be the next Anthony Bourdain, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Oh, he could definitely dress up like Anthony Bourdain to do his show. Hi, I'm uh, Rand, Rand, <laughs> Randy Travis. Uh, I'm Rand Randall the Germain. <laughs> and I'm in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> and I'm bringing religion to undocumented tribes. <laughs> Isn't that supposed to be a travel and food show? Yeah, but they got great food in those undocumented tribes. That's the thing people don't realize about them. That's why people want to find them so bad is just, what do you do with your spices? How do you cook this leaf? What are you guys about in the kitchen? Yeah, there's a lot of sexy whispering like that. What do you do with your spices? <laughs> yeah, to the, the missionaries. What do you do with your spices? And they go, Oof, with- man, if I could be in the jungle cooking something, <gasps> what would it be? be? Spices. Oh, it'd be spices. Yeah, of course. The melange. Of course. <laughs> the melange. <laughs> I can't stop saying melange lately because oh, yeah? of the Dune movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Dune movie. I'm pretty excited to see the Dune movie and hear all about the melange. The melange. The spice melange. Turn your eyes blue, you friggin' whatever. Idiot. You Kizak's Hatterack, you goof. Use some Visine, you dumb shit. That's, whoa, come on, man. I took the explicit rating off this show. Come on. <laughs> you can bleep it. Every time you swear, you turn me into a liar, and I don't appreciate it. Every time I swear I get the nth degree, you say the F word and you just beep it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that's the word we've decided we censor. We decided we don't censor the other words. And by we, I mean me. You you piece of shit. (laughs) No, no. Uh, How do we transition to this next thing? Speaking of pieces of shit, it's time for everyone's favorite segment. The Kevin Sorbo Tweet of the Week. It is 4.21 in the p.m., so you Whoa. know what's happening. Jeez, that's, yeah. uh, he's doing bong rips on the toilet. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Maybe he uses the toilet as his bong. Like, he <laughs> just has tubes. Yuck. <laughs> well, it goes through the top part, not the bottom part. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, maybe he's got, like, a gas mask that he puts on that's attached to the back of his toilet. And people look at him while he's doing it and go... Why are you wearing, like, a gas mask attached to your toilet while you're using the toilet? And he goes, oh, I'm doing bong rips. <laughs> I'm doing bong rips, bro. <laughs> I love God. Son, get out of here. I'm blazing it for God. <laughs> I got to tweet. I got to tweet some hateful shit. I hate America or whatever. No, he loves America. Well, uh, I feel like... Kevin Sorbo in this tweet is a little is turning on us. He's turning on America. Does he call us out? Looking, does he go, does he go I well, hate Pure Boys podcast. Oh no. Alright, well let's hear it. Is this a Godzilla okay. tweet? Uh kinda. Yeah. <laughs> Beware of Godzilla. Thanks, Kevin. You, you could say that. Okay, here's the tweet 
Australia is the liberal dream for America. I don't know enough about Australia to confirm or deny that. Well, I did look in the comments okay. and did find out that there is a conservative government in Australia right now. <laughs> okay, so already wrong. Okay, yeah. Good job. Yeah, they've been pretty conservative for a long time. Also, yeah. what do you mean by Australia is the liberal dream for America? <laughs> like we want America to be more like Australia or or like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do, do we want to just move all Americans to Australia? Well, it seems like he's calling for more liberalism like Australia. Right. When they have a, they've had a conservative government for years. This is not a political podcast, by the way. No. We love it. <laughs> we love it. And we love Australia. Shaka bra. G'day, mate. All that stuff. Well, he's he's ripped to the tits right now. So yeah, who course. knows what he means? Well, that's exactly it, right? That's what we need to keep in mind with this tweet is that Kevin is exhaling two huge lungs just full of bong rip, and he's yeah. coughing and typing. So maybe as he was coughing and typing, he miswrote it. or I mean, who knows? There's a lot of ways that could have gone wrong. Well, maybe he typed conservative, but his liberal <laughs> cuck uh, words checker yeah. switched it to liberal. Right, his liberal cuck iPhone was like, yeah. I think you mean liberal, not conservative there, Kevin. And changed it for him. Thanks, Steve Jobs. Well, he's definitely waiting until 420 to take the bong rip. So he, yeah. he's definitely exhaling at that moment. So you're right. He he had other things to concentrate on. Oh, yeah. He had that tweet half written. Like, he was in the middle of sending that tweet and then his alarm went off that was like, 420, Kev! And you... Ran to the bathroom so he could get on the toilet, finish the tweet, do his bong rip, take a dump, flush, wipe. Hail Marys, you're done. Wow. Yeah. Hail yeah. Marys. Do you Hail Mary after you dump? Yeah, you bet I do. Before I flush, I turn around and kneel down in front of the toilet and I give a quick prayer and then I flush with the lid all open and everything, of course. Well, that's gruel. <laughs> it is gruel. Well, Kev, <laughs> thanks a million. We love you. Let's go, let's go. You're in. Time to <laughs> You're in. I love the idea of someone like finding the show here or later on and being like, why do they yell urine so much on this show? It's a religious thing. You wouldn't understand. In. It's a God thing. All right. Get on our level. Yeah. <laughs> well, leave it. Pure Flix original. I couldn't find I didn't look very hard. In fact, I didn't look at all, but I couldn't find if this was the first Pure Flix original or or what, but it's from 2011. That's a long time ago, just in case you didn't know that. And I'm pretty sure that's the year of our Lord where Pure Flix uh, ignited its light. Yeah? Oh, man. For two guys who claim to be the biggest Pure Flix fans, we don't really know much about their history. I know that they ignited their light around that time. No. I also they, know They that ignited their light in 2005. your eyes. When? 2005. Yeah, same. Same, same. Same, same. But while you're looking things up right now, do you have the Pure Flix movie guide for this film? Oh, I can get it. It won't take long. Uh, because I'm sure seconds. they have some very raunchy details that they need to uh, let viewers know about. You're absolutely right. We have been... We have been meaning to read these guides on the show, and then we just forget every week. But... They're usually pretty hilarious. So on the Pure Flix website, uh, 
on not on every movie, and in fact, not even on half the movies, just on some of the movies. Maybe movies just produced by Pure Flix. Nah, there's uh, horse movies though. Anyway, um, so on these on the on the page where you watch the movie, it's got a movie guide. So it tells you the recommended age for who to watch it. Uh, there's like a quick guide on the side as whether there's much language, nudity, sex, or violence, and then it gives you a breakdown, like a parental guide of all of the stuff that happens that might be inappropriate for someone. You know, under the age of 12 in this case. Recommended age for this movie, 12 plus. So that's something we've never touched on before. Well, it's about safety, and it's safety for the kids, and I agree about it. And that's very specific detail, especially in the kid-based movies that they give about, like, things that might be uh, bad for their eyes mm. are very funny. Oh, yeah. So here's here's the movie guide for... and. Full spoiler alert, it's going to tell you everything that happens in this movie. So, and then we're just going to end the show after that. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, I got stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, Christian worldview, but through the eyes of an unbeliever. Also, listeners, would you believe that that's David A.R. White? (laughs) Patriotic worldview. (laughs) Patriotic worldview as FBI and CIA agents fight for the safety and security of the United States and their allies. The way that sentence is written, it sounds like they're fighting alongside each other, but actually they are constantly at odds with each other and fighting each other most of the time rather than fighting the real threat, terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No foul language, much gun violence between police slash federal agents and terrorists, but no blood is ever seen. Group of men are shot and killed, man shot in chest, and gasps for air while dying. That part is pretty horrific. He's got like a Miles Dyson death where he's just like, yeah, but <gasps> like just just heaving on his final breath. Gary heaving. Worth it and good for a child to see the realities of death. Exactly. No blood, but we will watch a man suffer before he dies. I think that's a good trade off. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cruel. Yeah. Uh, man knocked out by exploding oil drums. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably half of this budget. Oh, yeah, for sure. The The CGI needed to make it look like fire was on top of the barrels. Pretty good. Yeah, on top of the barrels. Yeah. Uh, man shot in chair. Two policemen shot by a machine gun. Two men fight. Head is thrown against table. Man punched in chest. Man slapped and pushed up against wall and thrown on table during interrogation. Like, why is it written like a caveman is telling you what's happening? I don't know. It's very short, stupid sentences. Yeah, not complete sentences. Like, man thrown on table. Just say man thrown on a table. (laughs) Like, that's all you have to say. No, they have to keep it short. Yeah, cut that out. Uh, Thrown on table during interrogation. Truck crashes into car. Plane explodes. Man stabbed with needle twice with truth serum while being interrogated. No sexual immorality, but a man and woman kiss. That's David A.R. White again, playing both roles. No nudity. Characters meet in a bar. One sips from what appears to be an alcoholic drink. That would be Randy Travis, obviously, but never clarified. No smoking, and man buys a legal fake driver's license. Man breaks into neighbor's house, lying. And that's all Fat Scott Ackerman. Great oh, breakdown. Oh, man. He is... I'm so glad we got to see so much of him. I was so excited because I watched this before you. Yeah. And I knew you'd just be tickled in the crotch. <laughs> well, like I told you before we started, I found 
75% of this movie to be very boring and uninteresting. And then as soon as Fat Scott Ackerman gets into the action, I was fully invested in the last, like, 20 minutes of this movie. I was loving it. Well, there's two main storylines, and Fat Scott Ackerman's seems irrelevant for a long time. <laughs> yeah, Fat Scott Ackerman seems to be, like... From a different movie, like he's he's yeah. in a remake of Rear Window, and David Ayer White is in like a like whatever Jerusalem Countdown. Yeah, he's the star of Jerusalem Countdown. <laughs> but like, he's just a terrible uh, husband. Yep. Uh, that's about it. Well, he's he's a he may be a terrible husband, but he also has a terrible wife. So yeah, it's a it's a good relationship between them. Oh, yeah, they're tight as thieves. Truly. She woke up one day just loving God and then was, like, trying to force him to convert as well. And he was like, I don't understand why you're like this all of a sudden. This isn't who you were. She goes, well, get on my level. He has a Nostradamus book. (laughs) (laughs) She's so mad about that. You think that Jesus is a joke, but Nostradamus is real? And he's like, I'm just reading a book. I don't know. I thought that was the best argument of the film. Those Nostradamus books are crazy. I want to read them, but they're crazy. I mean, I'm running out of space on my shelf with all my Nostradamus books, but you know what I don't have room for on my shelf? One Bible. How's that sound, David? I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. You have lots of Bibles. It's it's the inverse. I don't have any room for Nostradamus books on my shelf because they're so full of Bibles. Yeah, and they're all earmarked. They're yep. all very heavily highlighted. Oh, which yeah. is a sin, but it's a light sin. <laughs> I wrote in them in blue pen, which God hates, but it's all I didn't know that at the time. So, you know, God forgive me. There, done. I'm back in heaven. Yeah, we, we're we good with God. Let's go, let's God. <laughs> this is a wonderful movie. Let's go, let's God. We sold our soul to God in exchange for no success on this show, but eternity in heaven. So... I mean, I think no matter what we do, we're we're good. Yeah, exactly. And God wants this to happen, as is explicitly told in this movie a couple of times. Oh, yeah. And we shouldn't question it. And we shouldn't even try to interpret it. Because as I said earlier, a million people have a million interpretations for revelations and what the end times will be like in Christianity. And uh, even though it seems like there's one, there's just a million variations on it. And there's some pretty big leaps in logic in there, too. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, people think they're like Neo in the Matrix that can decode mm. the Matrix, but we're not. We're just dumb, and God's just fooling us all. Yeah, we're the kid who wants to bang that computer program of the woman in the red dress. That's who we all are. Yeah, well, there there was a deleted scene where they had <laughs> this other person they thought was Neo, and he, like, starved himself to death screwing the hot chick in that program he wouldn't he wouldn't log out no and they were like he just died what but he's going to die and morpheus is like well then that is the fate of the one and the fate I of the one is him just not. getting railed to death while he starves cool though like what a way to go i love the idea that they get like far enough into training that they've like done the jump and that stuff happens and then they do everything they're doing that simulation where he's like walking down the street and he goes oh are you looking at the woman in the red dress and then from that point on it just becomes about neo banging this woman until he starves to death in the matrix (laughs) that's a brilliant (laughs) twist on the movie 
Well, it was probably one of the realities, because you learn out in later movies, there's been hundreds of versions of The Matrix. Exactly. And this is just one. Oh, spoiler alert for 1999's The Matrix. Sorry, everyone. We didn't mean to spoil that Neo spends most of the movie railing some computer program inside The Matrix until he starves to death. And then Rage Against the yeah. Machine plays, and it's pretty cool. And, I mean, Neo is Jesus. Everybody knows that. Yeah, Neo is Jesus, and the single greatest threat to mankind is rogue countries developing nuclear weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and especially the Russians. Oh, yeah. You mean Gog and Magog? Well, I think Gog is the Russians, and Magog is the Iranians, right? No, Iran is is uh, is Iran in that scenario. <laughs> and Gog and Magog is, is Russia. Like... Eh. I, it's, I love that line because, A, what are they talking about? What it, Like, Russia didn't exist back... Like, it's nothing. It's just... And it's, maybe it's Russia. Who's the other enemy of America? Oh, Russia, I guess. Yeah, they're involved with it, too, now. Why? They're Magog. Sure, whatever. Well, they're... I mean, what it breaks down to is that Russia wants to take out Israel. Yeah. But the U.S. loves Israel. Oh, yeah. They just can't get enough of Israel. They think they're so cute. Well, not only does Iran want to get rid of Israel, all of the Middle East wants to get rid of Israel, apparently. Well, something about the Georgian Strait. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, this movie has a lot of plot shoved into it. And to be honest, I I had a hard time following it. (laughs) And I watched this movie. Did I say Georgian Strait? Yeah. I think it's Jordan. I think they're trying to meet up at a Florida Georgia Line concert. Right. And <laughs> Russia and Iran couldn't get in. Exactly. They didn't have tickets. Like, we want to hear Cruise. And they're like, too bad. You got to sit outside. So then they created uh, briefcase nukes. Yep. <laughs> exactly. In classic 70s briefcases. And then they drove them to Fat Scott Ackerman's neighborhood for no reason. And then. <laughs> Hit them all in one place. Hit them all in one place. And, like, no, in them all in one place, even though they're supposed to be distributed all over the country, yeah. brought them there. Instead of taking them from the boat where they got them and driving them off into all the different places they're supposed to go, take them all to one place in the same city you picked them up in, leave them there for days or weeks on end so everyone can get suspicious of you, the new neighbor in the neighborhood who looks like a villain. And Bring then, in a bunch of guns, a tons. bunch of militant-looking guys. Yep. Don't try to hide the guns either. Put them in gun cases, in big wooden cases that you'd carry guns in that are marked guns on the side, and then carry them into your house in front of your neighbors. Well, they established the plot that they there's a bunch, seven wonders, which yes. means seven nuclear uh, suitcase bombs. Peace and love. And so they have to find them. They have to find them and make sure they do not go off. And, and then there's like 40 minutes where they're just talking to heads of different bureaus like the FBI and the CIA. So dumb. And they're like, we gotta find these suitcases. And that just goes on forever. <laughs> and I'm like, they're not gonna be able to find all these seven cases. They must be in one spot. And then 20 minutes more of them trying to find these bombs uh, David A.R. White through some Da Vinci Code-esque clues are like, oh, they're all in one spot, guy. 
Yeah, well, not only that, they don't solve the case. Fat Scott Ackerman solves the case. If Fat Scott Ackerman wouldn't have called 911 in a panic when he did, David Ayer White never would have found those bombs. They would have had yeah. no idea where those... They knew roughly the city that they might have been in days ago, but they, yeah. they had no idea. They got so lucky that Fat Scott Ackerman did what he did. Well, that's why this is See Something, Say Something, the movie. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The Patriot Act was right. Seize, there's terrorists living in your neighborhood, and you mm -hmm. need to be suspicious of anyone who doesn't look like you or act like you. That's what this movie's saying, and that's what Jonathan believes in. I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, but. Yes, and. Oh, it's such a dangerous uh, plot line to have and to show to a bunch of crazy people. To a bunch of kids 12 plus. <laughs> well, yeah, this is what created Trump's America. Oh, you mean Joe Biden's America. <laughs> Not a political podcast. We all know that Trump is pulling the strings behind the curtain. From Mar-a-Lago, of course. Everybody knows that. David Ayer White uh helped write the story for this movie he produced this movie and he stars in this movie this man is a triple threat in those three regards this is why i think gary heaven's behind it all <laughs> all right we're finally getting to your conspiracy theory i'm into it so your theory as i understand it is well when i look at david a.r white in this movie and mm. see that he has all these credits mm. And also look into his eyes and just see a dead IQ of a human being. Wow, really mean to our Lord and Savior David A.R. White. I don't, uh, I don't agree with that. This is your theory, David. If you're listening, has, this is Jonathan's theory. He has no charisma. He's <laughs> incorrect. Competent actor at best. Incorrect. How did this happen? Great. How did it happen? Talent yeah. and the Lord's will and hard work. And if we he watched. Came from Dirt. If we, hey, <laughs> guess what, pal? We all came from dirt. In case you forgot Genesis chapter 10, we all came from dirt. All right, bud? Yeah, but from Mormon dirt. There's oh, There's no yeah. way his Mormon family gave him millions of dollars to start this franchise. Maybe. Maybe they did. Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know where the money came from. We'll have to watch Pure Flicks and Chill. The, or, here's the other thing. I've got David A.R. White's autobiography shipping to me right now it's in transit it's coming to me hopefully in an episode or two i'll have had it and then as soon as i get it, i'm going to read it in one night and maybe that'll answer some questions for us uh it's called between heaven and hell or whatever no between heaven and hollywood the incredible true story of david a.r white he's either being funded by gary heaven or big mormon well, I think Gary Heaven is most likely what it is. He took that Curves money, he produced a couple films himself, and then it was like, you know what, maybe I don't want to be involved in this biz, but I could dump some money into a great startup called Pure Flix, and then, and also, shout-outs to David A.R. White, 2005, like, pure, Netflix wasn't what it is now. Netflix was still, like, DVDs, wasn't it, at that time? I don't think it was yeah. the streaming service it is now. So for Pure Flix to be like, we're going to parody that name of all things pretty impressive good good grab pure flicks wonder if pure flicks at that time was like a dvd shipping thing because <laughs> i don't think the servers and the technology existed to have a streaming service but at maybe pure flicks started as a production company maybe they started not as a streaming service but as a production company to make christian movies this is we are just bullshitting right now <laughs> like we don't yes. we could easily find this information but instead we're wildly speculating yeah. <laughs> 
we're really Joe Roganing it right now. Oh, we're deep in the weeds right now. You're yeah. you're Neil deGrasse Tyson, buddy. But at least we can acknowledge it and tell our fans that we are full of crap. I went to the uh, Pureflix website right now. Great. And it says, have faith in your entertainment, which I think is a perfect line. That is a great tagline. Great motto for the company. Yeah. Huh, okay. We love you. We love you. All right, dear. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> Ended nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, like... Well, I don't agree with anything you said about David Ayerwhite earlier. I do have to <laughs> criticize David in this movie because it's hard to take him seriously in a dramatic role. <laughs> I don't agree with you at all, but I also think that he isn't good. <laughs> Not what I said. I said it's hard to take him seriously in a dramatic role because his, uh-huh. he has a very distinct voice and it's ingrained in my head as funny man Malibu Dan the family man. So... It's hard, and like, and of course, hitting the brakes is Malibu down the family man. It's hard to separate that David A.R. White, who I know and love, and and accept this tough guy, David A.R. White, who says things like, you've reached the FBI. That's a pretty secure line. So, you know, like, <laughs> hard to take him seriously when I just, I'm picturing Dan Marshall just tripping over a chair and Chuck from accounting trying to bang Sky or whatever. It's, you know, it's, uh, yeah, but I, but he I- gives it his all. Well, I think the exact opposite because I think he so expertly uses his tough guy voice. His you got to talk to me that way voice. Oh, it's me Jerusalem Rising, aka Beckman. That's right, Return of Beckman. <laughs> Jerusalem Rising. Now that's a movie. Oh yeah, that's, that's not what movie. it's called. What is this movie called? Jerusalem Countdown. Countdown. <laughs> Countdown. Jerusalem Rising is a better name for this movie though. I don't... Well, you're right. No, but I'm also, wrong. It's the opposite. <laughs> It'd be Jerusalem also, Falls. I think Jerusalem Countdown is one of the best titled movies on Pure Flix. I would agree. Yeah, it's right up there with Sons of Thunder. <laughs> it's right. I can't wait for Sons of Thunder. It is going to come, guys. Don't worry. There... Spoiler, full spoilers. There's a new season of it coming out at some point, so we got to get to it so we can talk about the new season as well at some point. So don't worry. We're gonna watch Fat Chance in five minute chunks, and then we're gonna get straight to Sons of Thunder. Watch all seven episodes live. of that, and then whatever. Yeah, as soon as the new season starts, we'll watch that live. It's got a whole. It's a whole thing we talked about. Off air. Off air, of course, not on air. No. Um. Iran is the villain in this movie, I guess, kind of. And Russia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, they waste no time in comparing Iran to Nazi Germany. Like, immediate, as soon as they talk about Iran, they're like, oh, it's like Nazi, they're like the Nazis in Germany. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, calm down. It's 2011. Like, just chill out, guys. That's a pretty big statement to make, head of the FBI. I don't know if you should say things like that. Seems unprofessional. Well, they do know how to smell Jewish people. No. <laughs> yeah, there is a character that, when under the spell of truth serum, goes, you smell that? That's a Jew. <laughs> you go, well, I guess he's telling the truth. <laughs> I mean, I don't, he's, he's, he's got truth serum in him. I don't know what that means. He's got SP-17, bitch. Is that what it's called? Is that what, is that what Eve says to him? Eve, the FBI agent, and David Ayer White's former ex-lover. Yeah, not Adam, though, which I had a big problem with. Yeah, real missed opportunity to name him Adam. Instead, they name him Malibu Dan the Family Man. Why not call him Adam? Why not like call... It's, 
Yeah, it's right there. You named her Eve. You're making up these names. So just, or maybe his name is Malibu Dan Adam, the family man. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, easier. it's much, it's easier to say. <laughs> Could you say it again? Of course. Malibu Dan, Adam, the family man. <laughs> Malibu Dan, Adam, the family man. Yeah, you're right. It's not that tough. No. And then he goes, oh, Adam is my middle name. And they go, yeah, we get it. You said it three times. We get it already. <laughs> seven wonders. Yeah. Everyone's got stupid nicknames like the fallen one and the seven wonders. <laughs> Like father and brother, like well, I guess brother. Either oh, whatever, familiar things, but just it's well, hard. Th- this movie fails to be the Watchers. Oh yeah, this movie wishes it could lick the boots of the Watchers. There's no Agigi. There's no Bannon. There's no anybody. Anunnaki. Yeah. <laughs> there's no kid going. We are the Watchers. <laughs> None of it. It's a shame. None of it. We want none of it. There's not even any nuns in this movie. No, that's true. No Kathy Najimis, no whoops, no nobodies. No, but there is America's favorite actor, Lee Majors, <laughs> star of Out Cold. <laughs> yeah, star of Let's Go to Prison, where he just lays in a coma for the whole movie. <laughs> Very true, but at least this movie, all of his scenes are shot in his old folks' home that he's <laughs> currently residing That he's in. waiting to die in, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's sad seeing Lee Majors because it really he, is. He looks like shit. Since we've when, since we've established that we can say shit freely on the show, Lee Majors looks like shit. If you told me he died the day after they filmed this, I'd go, <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, we're just saying shit now? Yeah, whatever. It's fine. You took the gloves off, so now they're fully off. Whatever, man. Me. Yeah, it's your fault. Me. It's your fault. If When the law comes calling, you're the one who started this. Yeah, that's cruel. I, love I, you. I like the weight of that pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, knowing that this whole thing falls with you, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. And <laughs> Lee Majors gives him the Seven Wonders clue, yep. and then... D- Gets shot. Oh yeah, it gets and then you dinged. See the barrels blow up. Well, there's a there's a moment where they're sitting. Him and David are sitting in Lee Majors' old folks' home, and he like there's a bottle of pills on like the um, TV tray in front of Lee Majors, and he picks it up and like opens it and takes some pills. And then there, it looks like he's about to offer David some pills. Like he just he kind of there's like a pause where he's holding it and he looks like at David and kind of starts to hold it up and then just puts it down and puts it away. And it's that's a that's a funny idea for a scene just to take prescription pills and be like, would you like some? I don't want to be a rude host. Do you want some of my pills? Well, Lee Majors did grow up in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and he's very <laughs> used to having pills. And also being polite enough to offer his friend some. He's a polite man. That's what everyone said about Lee yeah. Majors. Polite. Prompt. Well, he was the man with the pills and the pills <laughs> connection because he was in Hollywood. Yeah. Holly he was, Weird. He was the oh, Holly Weird indeed. Yeah. He was the pill pusher of Holly Weird. That's what they called Lee Majors. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's canon. <laughs> Put that on his Wikipedia page. Put that on his IMDb page. The pill pusher of Holly Weird. <laughs> he probably salutes that. Of course he does. Is he alive? No, he's dead. I think he died the minute after they finished filming the scenes in Jerusalem Countdown. 
Yeah, they murdered him during the filming of Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, that's a real. You, they really shot Lee Majors, and you see it. They put it in the film, and twelve-year-olds can watch it. <laughs> that's crazy, David. This is a snuff film. You can't just do that to people. What a way to go out, though. Oh, doing what he loved, acting, <laughs> pushing pills on people. Lee Majors is alive. Yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. I could have sworn he was dead, dead, dead. Well, he probably yells at a bunch of doctors and is like, I was the $6 million man. Just put metal in me. Yeah. Put more pills in me, doc. Dog. Hey, dog. <laughs> What's on your lips, dog? It's colored grease. Um. So... The assassin runs away. David gives chase. There's a great moment where the assassin's running past, like, a warehouse, and there's really harsh light shining down on him, like, that he's running towards the light, so there's long shadows behind him. And you can just see the shadow of the camera truck just on the wall next to him while he's running. It's like, well, maybe just zoom the camera in and pull the truck ahead a little bit. <laughs> Do another take. <laughs> you don't You don't have to leave those in there, movie. Uh, it's an unfortunate leave-in, but it happens during these productions. Yeah, I know. And even with Holly Weird movies, it happens. So it just it just tickled me. To, it tickles me to see stuff like that. Oh, I love seeing stuff like that. It makes me... Uh... <laughs> I'm going to have to censor that. Jesus. <laughs> I'm being real naughty today. And guess what? I'm not even ripped to my tits. Well, that's insane. I can't. Yeah, I know. You'd be way. You'd be way less crazy if you were ripped to the tits right now. Yeah, it'd be so much more normal. Oh yeah. So, Malibu Dan shoots some barrels. They explode, <laughs> which is how. Like I love the idea of him just shooting a bunch of times at some barrels, hitting all the barrels, and they just don't explode because that wouldn't happen. Well, he yells out, I hit all the barrels, <laughs> and then the explosion happens. Got them all! <laughs> God intervenes. Of course. That's what God does. He's just waiting to hear, God, help me blow up these barrels, and he just <laughs> flies there from heaven and roasts those barrels. Yeah, he's chill. He's chill. He's a chill bro. God's chill. <laughs> you know what? God's chill, all right? We are in a simulation. <laughs> we are in god simulation yeah i'm more convinced about it every day that's fair well what what convinced you was it when fat scott ackerman showed up yeah i forgot he was in this movie completely mainly because uh he's overshadowed by the likes of uh lee majors and <laughs> Randy uh, Travis. what's the uh secret evil guy randall travel Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. He's the head of the Agigi or whatever. He's the devil. He's the, he's the Russian oligarch. <laughs> yeah. He's he's the man who talks with a voice modulator. Yeah. He's the evil guy who's trying to destroy the world. It's really funny. Yeah, real tough guy shit. <laughs> hey, don't wheel a fortune me. Um. So, yeah. Oh, so Fat Scott Arkman's wife is like... Hey, honey, she brings him a Bible and goes, Hey, honey, I marked some pages in this Bible for your research. And he goes, Why would I want that? I'm doing real research on things. I'm a real investigator. I am the investigator. Here's the thing. If you talk to Fat Scott Ackerman who said, What job do, does your character have in Jerusalem Countdown? He would go, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> 
Truly, he he would have no idea what you're talking about. He would just look at you and drool and sweat. And... <laughs> yeah, oh, and sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat. He exactly. he sweats an obscene amount in this movie. <laughs> like, where it's like, guys, give him a towel. Help him out. He's sweating through every piece of clothing he has. Well, David A.R. White would be behind... Uh, the camera with his bottle spray filled with sweat <laughs> and he'd be oh, whispering gross. into the director's ear going the sweat makes it work <laughs> the sweat gets me wet <laughs> well it gets everybody wet hey, especially sir. Pat Scott Ackerman oh yeah but we're getting to his sweaty his sweaty uh, his sweaty thing um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you really don't know what's happening with this man early on. He's a true investigator. He has a religious wife. Yep. And he's probably unemployed. (laughs) Oh, he definitely is unemployed. That's why he says, like, I'm sorry it's been hard the last few years. (laughs) Yeah, you got fired from your job. That's why you live in Jamestown, Virginia, the first English settlement in North America. Oh, that's, well, that's why the terrorists went there. And that's why everyone is there. The head of the CIA, the head of the FBI, any old ding-dong you need to see is just there in Jamestown for no reason. He does have a large amount of testosterone, though, so he has big boner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see it. Pricks his wife good, so that's why she's still there. (laughs) I love when he goes... So you're saying the whole Noah's Ark thing is realistic to you? And she goes, yeah, it is. <laughs> Go, okay, man. Divorce your wife. She's gone off the deep end. Out of all the stories in the Bible, that's one of the most unrealistic. <laughs> like, that that, that one's completely nonsense. What are you talking about? Yeah, that takes a lot of magic. That's why I think it's a simulation. Amen to that, brother. The, ma- well, the just, Matrix. Uh, press control flood. Done. You bet, yeah. Just... Yep. Control Flood. There it is. That's a good title for a movie. It is, yeah. You know what? <laughs> Control Flood? Like CTRL Flood? Yeah. Nice. Well, you couldn't spell it out. That'd be stupid. No. It'd be CTRL FLD. And people would go, yeah. what is that? Control Flood? I don't know why. Is that about Noah? I, uh... Control Flood? <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and you go, it's a Noah's Ark thing. It's realistic. It's- Duh. <laughs> uh, Randy Travis is like the head of the CIA in this movie, and there's a bunch of scenes with him that do a thing that I love in movies when, like, secret agents or or FBI agents or whatever meet in very public places and then give each other documents and have loud conversations about highly classified secret things. Like, they're just in the pub being like, what do you mean the world's coming to an end? What do you mean terrorists have four, seven bombs, nuclear bombs? There's just people around them drinking coffee and beer, and like, no one's hearing this? There's not even music playing or an air conditioner. It's very funny. But also, nobody listens to anybody at bars. I've yelled the worst stuff at bars. Oh, I mean, sometimes man. you listen in, but... It's crazy what you don't hear, and it just all turns into background noise when you're at a bar. That's true, but I guess I misspoke when I said, like, they're not really at a bar. They're at, like, a diner in the middle of the day, and it's quiet in there, and there's just maybe a few couples seated at tables, and then three just very obvious government agents just yelling at each other in the corner about the apocalypse, and, like, it's... 
It's yeah. nonsense. It's utter nonsense. I love it. You're right. This is a TGA Fridays right after the lunch rush, oh, where people yeah. are still kind of around, yep. but it's kind of thinning out. <laughs> Got to get those matzo sticks. Yeah, Bloomin' Onion. Oh, I've never been to a TGI Fridays or a Buster Max or whatever it's called. Dave and Buster's. Uh, oh, Dave and Buster's looks legit. I want to play video games yeah. and have a steak sandwich. Yes, me too, man. That sounds great. Open face, mm-hmm. please and thanks. So, Thank you. David Airway captures the assassin. They're in, they're interrogating him, and this is how David like opens the interrogation. John Doe killed a man. Mm-hmm. Shot at a federal agent several times, jumped out of a window, and I went. Well, that last one's not illegal, David. Like you listed the first <laughs> two; those are crimes he committed. The last one is just a cool thing that he did. So maybe you're giving him props. I don't know. Well, that is the icing on the cake. You see a man jump through a window, oh, you yeah. know something's up. Nobody jumps through the window for fun. No, God, no. But I mean, the the real icing on the cake is when the guy grabs David Arrowhead's head and slams it into the table as hard as he can because they didn't handcuff him to the table or anything, and he let himself get close to this terrorist who just killed someone in front of him. It also th- seems like after he slams David A.R. White's head into the table, he thinks he's free. Like, he thinks he's going to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Well, all's well that ends well. I'll make a break for the door. And and then five uh, agents come in with guns on him, and he's like, oh, no. Oh, crap. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What do you think was going to happen? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, we meet the we meet Eve, his ex partner, his ex wife, I guess, or something like that. It's not. I don't know if it's ever explicitly said, but it's like Im- inferred that that's who who she is. They have frick eyes for sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's, but at least I said frick. Yeah, of course you did. We appreciate that. I censored it. And there's an Ezekiel prophecy, you know, oh the bombs God. and all that crap. <laughs> the stupid Ezekiel prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we find out that, uh, oh, yeah, the Ezekiel prophecy is that Israel and Russia would join forces. <laughs> like, yeah. a book written thousands of years ago was like, modern-day Russia. <laughs> okay, well, good luck. <laughs> no, all the codes. Gog and Magog. The yeah. Of it all. I mean, you're the one with the Nostradamus book on your desk. <laughs> uh, I do like, I... go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, I I just like that Eve is like uh, the last time I saw you, you you like emptied five hundred people into the street in the middle of a monsoon and embarrassed me. And David goes, "Well, it was a good tip, Eve." And she goes, "No, it wasn't. <laughs> like you're wrong." <laughs> I just love that he just like, tried like clearly made a mistake and did something stupid, and then has the audacity to be like, "No, it was good intel." Well, clearly it wasn't because you did nothing. It was nothing. So. You have nothing to say. It was nothing. No. You got nothing to say. It was nothing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was an early scene with Scott, Fat Scott Ackerman and his wife. Yeah. And uh, she's like, well, you believe that Jesus exists. <laughs> and he's like, oh, of course. Of course I know that Jesus exists. There's so much evidence i mean billions of people believe in easter yeah. that's his number one evidence yeah his that jesus existed his evidence is millions of people celebrate christmas and easter every year <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> yeah 
There's way better evidence than that that we saw during the interrogator. No, the investigator. Yeah, of course. There's very compelling evidence. Like, if you get crucified, your heart explodes and then water and blood come out of you at the same time for some reason. Uh, That's way more concrete than billions of people believing in Easter and Christmas. Yeah, believing in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. Yeah. (laughs) That's my (laughs) proof of Jesus. Exactly. That's my proof of Jesus. Uh, So... I don't know, David Ayer White and his ex-wife decide to work together to, like, solve this case. So they go visit this Russian cook on a ship, and uh, there's, like, this weird moment where he's holding out a pot of coffee, and he goes, Karim? And David goes, oh, no, thank you. And the woman goes, nice to meet you. And I go, well, that's kind of a dick thing to do, (laughs) to be like, like, oh, your name's Karim? Russian man? Your name is Karim? And that's like that's how you present it. You're giving them coffee and then saying your name, which sounds like cream. David's not a fool for thinking that you said cream. He's not. He's the most normal person in the room at that point. Yeah, because it sounds like cream. Yeah, cream. Yeah, cream. And you're a white man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should establish that you're a white, very Russian-looking man. Actually, I have written down. Uh, this guy would win a Gary Oldman impression contest if Gary Oldman got cancer and got very sick. This guy would win yeah. as, like, cancer-ridden Gary Oldman. I thought he looked like a few old white actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He just had the face of it. He looked like a real fat Scott Ackerman. I thought that this was Eve's father for a little while. Did we meet <laughs> Eve's father? Yes, that's Stacy Keach. Oh, Stacy Keach yeah. birthed yeah, a nation. Yeah, exactly. Stacy Keach is a man who sits in an SUV and then just appears where they need him to so then he can give information to his daughter and David Ayer White and then leave and then come back and just he's just driving around Jamestown apparently in an SUV for this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. He did all of his uh uh, scenes in a limousine. Yeah, very cool. But if you're going to get $400,000 to do a day of work and you don't even have to leave a vehicle, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to sign up for it. Kareem probably got $400,000 for that day of work. Oh, yeah. I mean, Stacy Keach, I mean, he's so famous for being in Up in Smoke. <laughs> he's Hollywood royalty for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um,. We're explained that the Seven Wonders are seven nuclear suitcase bombs, or seven suitcase nukes, I guess is what they call them. And then we get the first shout-out for my favorite organization in any post-apocalyptic or any kind of religious thing, the New World Order. NWO. Yeah, you bet, baby. WCW. Yeah, you bet, baby. I'm trying to play the NWO theme song. It's not loading. Oh my god. It's so Let's take it again. Let's take it again. Now we get to hear about my favorite organization in any kind of Big religious load. thing. The NWO. Worth it. Worth it to circle back for. Yeah, we'll we'll edit nothing. We won't edit anything, yeah. I blew it. No. My machine screwed me and now I I feel like a fool, so Well, I'll give you some truth serum to think about. Sure, yeah. It was at this point that I wrote, I can barely follow this stupid plot. I don't know what's going on anymore. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what it boils down to is Russia wants to nuke 
the U.S. so they can destroy Israel. Right, yeah. The U.S. is Israel's biggest ally, so Russia and Iran and apparently the rest of the Middle East are teaming up to destroy America, to destabilize America in order to make them ineffective in, and then they'll take over Israel and take yeah. all the land away from Israel. Hulk smash. Well, I think... Hey, you're talking about the Hulk? Or are we talking about the NWO? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save that one because that's going to be used in a lot of further podcasts. Oh yeah, NWI. That theme song is not going anywhere. Uh, what? Yeah. What was the uh, "No Chance"? That is what you got song. Oh, oh, damn! Uh, Boozy's going to kill me for not pulling this right away. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. Oh no! I, I, no was it the X guys? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been to Generation X, yeah. I don't remember. I didn't really watch wrestling in that era. I'm vaguely familiar with it, but I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was younger. So, because they said it was the middle of the Attitude Era. There was middle fingers being thrown up and stuff like that. And now look at me. Email us. Let us know which is the one that said, what was it? No chance. No chance. That's what you got. Because that's what you got. Yeah. No, it's not. It's this not uh, movie's a lot like Blue's Clues. You don't know what's happening until the end, <laughs> and everything just kind of comes together in your brain. Like, oh, Jerusalem countdown. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a really dumb movie. <laughs> it's a good movie wrapped up in bacon. Hmm, yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Oh, that seems actually very mean to say about this movie. Because of the pig slaughter? Yeah, because of the Muslim holy war that's about to happen. I We talked about this off air, but I feel like this movie could have been summarized in a five to ten minute short film mm. where uh, Fat Scott Ackerman yells at his wife. Uh, <laughs> then he stares down his neighbors. Then he, uh, you know the rest yeah that's the thing who cares about david's plot it's so mm -hmm. who cares it's inconsequential to the rest of this movie honestly like david ayer white does nothing in this movie fat scott ackerman does everything why are we wasting our breath on david ayer white in this movie fat scott ackerman is living his own version of rear window right now where he's like spying on his neighbors who are up to some weird shady stuff that are clearly terrorists like he's just fumbling around trying to da vinci code the whole movie and then he just happens to be uh, driving around five minutes from the neighborhood that the bombs are. <laughs> yep. And then luckily a 911 call comes in and he goes, oh, yep. crap, I'm, I'm right there. I'll go check it out. Oh, I'm right there. Yeah. It's, it's nonsense. <laughs> it's cool, but it's also nonsense. Oh, yeah. So Fat Scott Ackerman is sick of, like, spying on his neighbor, trying to figure out what's going on. It's time to take action. So he goes up to his neighbor's house, and his neighbor answers the door. This guy who, like, uh, like I don't, I, can't, I don't know what this actor's name is, but like, he look like he's he's clearly playing a terrorist in this movie. Yeah. You know what he I mean? He looks like, like an agigi. He looks like an agigi. And so, um, so Fat Scott Ackerman goes up to the door, and he's like, "Hey, uh, have you seen my dog?" And the guy's like, "No." And he goes, "Can I look in your yard for my dog?" <laughs> And he goes, I guess it's like raining out, but okay, sure, you can do that. Also, isn't it weird that like anytime they show 
Jamestown, like downtown, it's covered in snow. And then when they go to Fat Scott Ackerman's house, which is in the suburbs of Jamestown, there's no snow anywhere there. I I found that very weird. Like, did they film two months in Edmonton, and then <laughs> then filmed another Edmonton four months Haiti. in Edmonton? <laughs> yeah, and then we're like, oh yeah, we need the flat Scott Ackerman <laughs> right stuff, and then. Film that in Jamestown. Yeah, well, now it's summertime in Edmonton, and but we'll make it work. It's fine. <laughs> uh, summertime uh, in Edmonton. So yeah, he's like spying on his neighbor, like looking for stuff, and then he's like, "Oh, I guess, I guess my dog like being super suspicious the whole time, like clearly just trying to get intel on these guys or something or spy on them." And then before he leaves, his his like the terrorist goes, "Well, uh, have a good evening, Daniel." You go, oh, you're in over your head, Scott Ackerman. He knows who you are. He knows your name, you dumb kid. (laughs) You fat Scott Ackerman. He Uh, spits on him. Oh, yeah, as you should. Uh, I found out that Eve... Is one of is a producer over at Pure Flakes. She is one of the main producers behind Sons of Thunder. So, oh yeah, fun little connection oh, there. Wow, I'm wet. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sweaty. Well, yeah, you're Fat Scott Ackerman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, to your Eve. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, like it's just uh, like come on, just get to the Rapture already, movie. Well, they show the rapture in the very beginning, or hints of the rapture. Yeah. Which I forgot about. <laughs> yeah. At the end. Well, that's what it was all leading to. Clothes. Well, it was all leaving to. <laughs> Ooh, very nice. The idea of clothes just falling from the sky for some reason. Apparently there was, like, a skydiver that got raptured, and his clothes floated down. Well, I think it's all the clothes of all the people who got raptured, because you're not allowed to have clothes in heaven. Well... You're right, that is what those clothes are, but why are they falling from the sky? Well, they got taken off from the wind. (laughs) God sucked them up so fast, their clothes ripped off, and they're like, I'm naked, I haven't shaved my pubes! Well, yeah, they went half up to the sky, and then they got turned into pure energy. Mm -hmm. So then the, you know, clothes dropped. There's a moment where someone looked around, it was just pube central up in those clouds, and then they all got (laughs) turned into light and disappeared. I mean, if they were gonna stick to the congruency of science they should have been frozen clothes agreed yeah they should have fallen hard and knocked people out (laughs) killed a bunch of people that's what took out the helicopter right yeah absolutely (laughs) oh yeah I did I forgot that helicopter crashed (laughs) oh yeah Uh, Eve goes to so (sighs) we need to talk about this because it's very dumb but there's like the plan for that the Agigi have is they're going to blow up an airplane that has a delegation from somewhere with the prime minister of somewhere in it. I'm not sure who that's supposed to be, but the so the FBI agent Eve gets to the airport. The bomb has already been set. She gets to the airport, r- runs up to sees a suspicious guy leaving the plane, sees the people starting to get on the plane. Instead of telling the people on the plane, hey, don't get on that plane, there's a bomb on it, she chases after the other guy, who then just blows up the plane and kills all those people. And she has the balls to go, oh, I didn't make it there in time. It's like, nah, you did. You, did. you just made, you made the wrong choice. You should have told everyone to get off the plane first. You could have put your hands in the air. You could have said, hey, 
very loudly and somebody might have heard you <laughs> or like all the soldiers that are around that are probably listening might have like helped you out or something yeah. but no you decided to look another way and <laughs> let god do what god does yeah hey jesus take the wheel with these israelis i don't care hey guys stop like there was army all over the place. Just go, yay, you five soldiers, chase after that guy over there. I got to go get these people out of this plane. No. Yes. Snap your fingers like you did at that TGI Fridays to that poor waitress. <laughs> Randy Travis needs another whiskey. Bring it to him. We need cherries over here. <laughs> Do you have peanuts we can eat and throw on the floor? Yeah, that was an awkward scene. But, I mean, she should have got her peanuts. Well, yeah, of course, of course. So, and I just need to mention that because it made me laugh that she was yeah. just like, oh, I didn't make it in time. I was like, no, you did. You just, you're a dummy. So, but back to Fat Scott Ackerman, the most important story in this movie. Well, it's very important. <laughs> and he he's the point of this movie. Yeah. They want to let you know that if you see somebody that's off color a bit in your neighborhood, <laughs> you should be watching them like a hawk. Uh-huh. You should, when they leave for the night, you should hire, you should, first of all, buy a fake ID with that house's address on it. Yeah. Then you should smart. hire, smart. Then you should hire a locksmith to come and open the locks of that house that you claim to live in making him an accomplice <laughs> involving him in your crime and yeah. then you should snoop through your neighbor's house until you find something anything that gives you just cause to call the police doesn't matter what it could be anything just a reason to stop terror well so okay this is the plot line of what he does over the next part of the movie I I really want to use this fake uh, ID thing to break <laughs> into people's houses. I think it's fun. I think it's brilliant. I think uh, so too. But he also does find guns like immediately and does not call the police. Yeah. He just looks more. Yeah. And I like at first I was like is he not calling the police cuz he's afraid that he's going to get arrested for breaking into somebody's house, which Yes, you probably should get arrested for that. But also, I guess you stopped terrorism, so your hunch was worth it, I guess. Yeah, I guess a bunch of AK-47s or whatever kind of guns, M16s probably more likely, uh, uh, that he finds aren't enough to convict. That could just be an honest, cool, red-blooded American yep. that loves guns. They might have... They, the, only thing, the only thing they could get in trouble for is none of them had trigger locks on them and none of them were locked away in a safe as they should be they were all just sitting in wooden crates with straw in them yeah well do you have to have safes if you don't have kids in the house i don't know we don't ever see if there's kids in that house though maybe there are kids there <laughs> definitely could be a bunch of militant kids learning how to be terrorists <laughs> i mean those terrorists were kids at one time so is it really any different True enough. Isn't that the darkest fact of all? Isn't that the darkest fact of all? We were all children once. I love how he sees the guns and he's like, okay, that's not great. And then he goes into <laughs> the next room oh. and there's a just some prayer rugs and some writing on the wall and he loses it. <laughs> this was, that's when he knows. That was my favorite scene in the movie when he walks into their prayer room and his and the music just gets all sinister and he's like, "Oh. Oh. Oh my god." Like he's just like terrified of prayer rugs. <laughs> Just being like, they're definitely terrorists. 
Okay. <laughs> I'm shocked he didn't call 911 that second. Guns? Yeah. Fine. Prayer rugs? Not in my America, Fat Scott Ackerman would say. Yeah. Guns? Curious. Prayer <laughs> rugs? Oh my freaking lord. Yeah. These are terrorists. Automatic weapons? American as frick. Prayer rugs? Take it back. <laughs> Get out of yeah. here with that. And his next thought is not to call the cops, but to go down to a creepy basement. <laughs> yep, for sure. I just, I wish I'd recorded it, but he lets out a whimper when he goes into that room. Like, he goes like, <gasps> it literally makes that sound. I gotta find it. Give me a second. Uh, uh, well, it's talk really about the basement. God's uh, plan. I, I forget. I think I um, wrote something down about what he says, but I think it's actually a different scene where I think Randy Travis, uh, like, grunts or something. Randy Travis grunts? Yeah, like, somebody makes a noise earlier in this movie that makes me, <laughs> uh, you know, sweat. Right. <laughs> get wet. I get it. I know what you mean. Yeah, this is a holy crusade. Mm-hmm. What, what if I control F? And Terrorism? Look up sound. Is this good podcasting? This is good podcasting. Hang on, I'm I'm almost there. He's looking at the okay. bathroom. Now he's looking. Oh, here we go. All right. You got it. I think so. We're just gonna play this, and I'll I'll, I'll cut it out. It's fine. Yeah, cut it out. Or maybe it won't. Maybe... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very subtle. That's art. It's, it's it's involuntary. It escaped out of him. The fear leapt out of him. <laughs> like, it's he is so not uh, using the Heller method in this moment. He no. is using method acting as heck. If he was using the Heller method, he wouldn't have survived filming that moment. It would have been too <laughs> much for him, the fear of these terrorists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whimper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you caught that because that that is very subtle filmmaking. That is, oh, that's creme de la creme. That's why you come to us. Yeah, it tells you everything you need to know about this character. <laughs> a, he's a coward. <laughs> B, he's racist. C, he, he's a hero as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I found out what my noise uh, comment oh, was. Oh, okay. Uh, during uh, at. Uh, Applebee's. Randy <laughs> Travis like clears his throat, but he kind of sounds like oh, he yeah. neighs like a horse. Yeah, he goes like. <laughs> 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 what are you doing, Randy Travis? I don't know what you're talking about. I, really I guess good. being a singer, you got to be protective of your lungs and your throat <laughs> and everything. Yeah. You can't just like boisterously no. uh, clear your throat. You gotta, you do it with some panache. Exactly. You think that's whiskey he's drinking? No, it's lemon tea with honey in it. He's gotta preserve his pipes so he yeah, can lay them. Show. Yeah, he's gonna show that night in Jamestown. Why do you think he's there all the time? He's pl he's got a, he's got a residency in Jamestown. Yeah. yeah. Everybody goes there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, he... Fat Scott Ackerman is the best in this movie. I, I want to go back to a line that he says earlier, though. When the locksmith gets him into the house and he goes, uh -huh, what do I owe you? And the guy goes, I'll send you a bill. And he goes, you'll send me a bill? 
It's like, yeah, man, it's 1130 at night and you're breaking into your neighbor's house. I'll send you a bill. Like, don't. He's worry. worried about the repercussions of the bill because the bill will come weeks later and then the terrorist will know somebody was in his house. You know what? That's actually a really good point. They weren't yeah. tipped off by the fact that their deadbolt was completely drilled out. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> the, yeah, the terrorist, the he's downstairs looking at terrorist stuff aka a laptop with a deck of cards next to it a map of america a, a bunch of pictures of mahmoud amanajad on the wall and just terrorist stuff you know just real <laughs> terrorist stuff i practiced saying that guy's name before we before we came on i was like i need to look nice. up who that guy is and try my best to say his name properly well you prayed on it and you yeah. practiced and that's the what good podcasting is Thank you. I think I nailed it, too. Lord, you guided my tongue. You spoke through me. So Fat Scott Ackerman is in this <laughs> terror basement. Yeah. And he he sees a briefcase on a table, <laughs> and you got to open that briefcase. Right? Of course. Well, no, it's not a briefcase. It's a suitcase. It's a suitcase, right. Uh, is that a different thing? Yeah. Biz briefcase is business. Suitcase is, like, clothing and travel and stuff. Pleasure. Like Pleasure. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that he opens the suitcase to reveal a smaller suitcase. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, it's a, like a Russian nesting doll. It's like a Gog and Magog <laughs> resting doll. That's... Yeah, that's what I'm getting to, is that he opens this thing, and it's clearly a bomb with, like, a smaller... Yeah. There's wires coming out of it or something. But then... Okay, at that point you stop, you call 911. Yeah. You don't open the smaller briefcase <laughs> yeah. that is very much a bomb. You don't start poking around with the bomb and go, "Maybe I can just save the cops the time. Maybe, you know, they don't have to bring out the big trucks. They'll just let me just disarm this myself. No problem." He is Peter Reno saying this whole situation. Yeah, he is a Peter Rainus for sure. And it's a shame that his storyline doesn't end with him accidentally setting off a nuke in his uh, in his neighborhood and vaporizing everyone he's ever known. Well, seven nukes because he opens the closet and there are <laughs> six more identical briefcases. So those would go off if a nuke goes off inside oh, yeah. them. I like that they are all suitcases from, like, the 70s. Like, they're not yeah. modern suitcases, so they stand out. Like, and they, they're all, like, brightly colored, and it's like, why wouldn't you just have six or seven identical black suitcases that are nondescript and look like every other mm -hmm. suit? Don't, don't have these wacky Hello Kitty suitcases. <laughs> what do you do? You just trying to draw attention to yourself. Well, have it so that... Like, if you see this out in the wild next to a bench, you yeah. wouldn't call the cops immediately. No, no. Normal stuff. Uh, oh, there's a great moment where Fat Scott Ackerman is, like, taking pictures with a digital camera of, plan of, like, city plans with X's drawn on them. But in order to do so, he has to put his flashlight in his mouth. And I was like, oh, yeah, Fat Scott Ackerman. Put that flashlight all the way in. You know what I'm saying? What a treat. Oh, I'm getting real Babysitter's Club vibes back. Pony Sitter's <laughs> Club. <laughs> Sorry for the noises if you're getting them. My cat's attacking me right it's now. It's okay. Your cat's beautiful. It was very nice to see Zed. Yeah, she's really getting into the the nuts and bolts of this podcasting enterprise. She loves podcasting. Enterprise. She's told you yeah. that. She's up on Catflix. <laughs> so uh, I, at this point I have the note Fat Scott Ackerman is sweating so much This is easily the best scene in the movie <laughs> 
It is a one-to-one relationship, for sure. How much is he sweating? That increases how good the scene is. Dodoy. And then there's a door opening, and he hears the terrorists come home, and that's when he calls 911. Nope, that's not when he calls 911. Right. That's when he goes and hides in the back room and is, like, sweating and breathing so loud. Like, just back there going, (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) Guy, get it together. You You can hear the sweat coming out of his pores. You can hear it dripping on the ground. Well, you can't because he's breathing so loud. You can't hear the dripping of his sweat. But he he waits until the terrorists are in the basement, feet away from the door that he's hiding behind, <laughs> yeah. before he goes, I should call 911. <laughs> like, I should text my wife. <laughs> nope, doesn't think to do that. Does not text her. Gets a text from her and goes, I don't have time to respond to this. I, I gotta leave her on red. Sorry, love. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta leave my wife. <laughs> well, I don't disagree with him on that one. Uh, <laughs> no, he could never do better. Well, th- well, yeah, I don't disagree with you on that either. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're not, you know, mutually exclusive. No, I want him to do worse is what I'm saying. <laughs> For being such a coward hero, racist, he deserves worse. Yeah. Um, I love that he calls 911 and they go, Hello, 911, what's your emergency? And he goes, evergreen whatever and they go sir we can't hear you can you speak up <laughs> it's like oak street the yeah. most famous street in that town the most famous street in the world 113 mm-hmm. oak street that's where christopher columbus landed well that's why david a r white gets there so fast well he knows exactly where it is he goes don't even tell me 113 oak street i know i know i'll be there <laughs> shut up 991 <laughs> big <laughs> Shut up, 991, you bick. Hangs up, <laughs> pedal to the floor, and just rips down the street towards it. It saves the day. Yeah. Well, he does come in, and he fights a couple terrorists. Well, first of all, one terrorist gets up in the upper window of the house. The cops show up. He starts unloading automatic rifle bullets into those cops. Kills all the cops. Well, there's yeah, only two cool. of them. Only two cops show up. They immediately, like, he starts opening fire, and they respond by running out of cover and shooting blindly and wildly <laughs> up at the house. Like, <laughs> Well, these are just dumb cops. They're not FBI agents or trained SWAT. They're yeah. just next-door neighbor cops. Beat cops, you know? They're just yeah. kind of, they're, 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 they're gumshoes, you know? Yeah. They give speeding tickets and take gum off shoes. Yeah, and then die in gunfights in rural neighborhoods with automatic weapons. Well-deserved. Yeah, but luckily... <laughs> yeah, well-deserved, of course. They were all one day from retirement. They deserve that. <laughs> uh, luckily, Malibu Dan shows up and shoots that terrorist, and then he runs into the basement. Finally, Fat Scott Ackerman gets the courage to start fighting, so he... The two of them fight the last two terrorists. The fact that he gets courage to fight is so dumb. <laughs> you should not be fighting. True. Just call the cops and sit there and cry. Yeah, call the cops. The cops are here. Like yeah. They've arrived. You don't need to get involved anymore, man. Continue hiding and sweating and peeing and breathing. You'll be fine. Sweating is what you do. You're That's... in. Yeah. You're in. I liked watching David fight in this scene because 
he's a trained FBI agent, and every punch he threw was a wild haymaker that was just swinging for the fences like he was the investigator. Yeah, he's coming a long way since this movie. What was the most recent movie that we watched with him Beckman. with the uh, Baldwin? Beckman. Yeah, he, he he had some fighting chops in that movie. This movie, he is uh, he's a little loose in the cage. Yeah, well, this movie is like seven years before Beckman, or eight years before, maybe even t- ten years before Beckman. Ten, Nine. a cool decade. Was it 2021 that Beckman? I thought it was 2020 Beckman came out. So. No, I think it is. Tw- I think you're right. I think it is ten years. But anyway. Um, you're in. Yeah. You're in. He is a he's great in Beckman. His fighting is yeah. great. It's clear that he just didn't have the training or the time to yeah. learn how to fight properly in this movie, which fine. It's, you know, early in your career. I get it. Well, not. You've been in Hollywood for 21 years at that point, but that's beside the point. He just never learned we'll how to fight. Take a karate class. Yeah, wax off, you know. <laughs> he was too busy producing and writing of and of course, like getting the sweat. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's like they're fighting, but then like one of the terrorists starts arming the bomb, and Fat Scott Ackerman just like watches him do it, and David A. R. White <laughs> is holding the other terrorist, going like, "Stop him!" And Dave and Fat Scott Ackerman just like, "Oh man, that's crazy! Wow, he's arming that bomb." So there's a lot of quick shots during this scene because the bomb's about to go off, and they're trying to code the bomb, and then. They're shooting uh, the the laptop that the guy's trying to arm, and then they're also shooting uh, Fat Scott Ackerman, and then David A. R. White. There's a lot of quick cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whenever they show the laptop that the bomb is getting <laughs> armed with, they show something different. There's two. There's a code, and then there's seven wonders. Yeah. And sometimes seven wonders <laughs> is fully like written. <laughs> And sometimes the code is fil- fully written, but it's never the same. Yeah. Uh, when they, like, it looks like they have to type in seven wonders. I mean, who knows how a terrorist bomb works? Yeah. I don't have the anarchist cookbook. I don't know these things, but they have that. And then, yeah, the fact that like it looks okay now he's got four numbers filled in, and now there's no numbers filled in, but also Jerusalem or seven wonders isn't written there anymore. Fully and done. Yeah. Who's What's happening? How how do you arm this bomb? How does Scott Fat Scott Ackerman know when he's run out of time or not? He doesn't. They don't know. That's the problem. <laughs> no. it, you're right. It looks like they have to type in seven wonders at one point, and then the other scene it makes it look like they have to type in the code. Yep. But no the idea. code is there when uh, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I do know that Fat Scott Ackerman waits till literally the last possible second before picking up a assault rifle and bashing a terrorist over the back of the head with it. At the same time as David A.R. White just snaps the neck of the main terrorist and just murders him in cold blood, which I don't think you have the autonomy to do that as an FBI agent, David. He definitely does. Oh, wow. He's got a license to kill. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he definitely has a license to kill, and he has Hulk hands on, so it makes it easier to snap necks. Of course. But he he straight up cold-blooded murders that guy. I guess I should say cold-blooded. That guy was trying to kill America, so fair enough. But he tried to throw off a bunch of nukes, so... Oh, yeah. But David Ayer White is just murdering terrorists left, right, and center, not leaving anyone alive to get to pump for information. You have truth serum, apparently. Capture one of these guys alive and pump them full of truth serum. Like, I don't understand what your plan... Don't kill them all, David. 
they they have already shown that the truth serum doesn't work on these uh, very intelligent terrorists. What do you mean? So. It worked on that guy? No, he just told the truth. He didn't tell them the truth they needed. <laughs> we told them the truth, though. Yeah, he did, but not what they needed or were asking for. I mean, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand terrorism. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so then Fat Scott Ackerman saved. He runs across the street to his house and goes like, Angie, where are you? And she's like, hiding in the closet like you taught me to do. Oh, good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's so hot. But then he's like, pray with me. And she goes, Ernie goes, will you pray with me? And she goes, I'll always pray with you. And then okay. he's accepted the Lord. So is him accepting the Lord and then praying what ignites the end times? Uh, no, but I will say that it's very fortuitous timing that he was like, you know what? I think I love God. God, lead my life. And then God went, three, two, one, rapture time. and Open the heavens. Fat Scott Ackerman was like, oh, wow, can you believe it? Look at the timing on that. Couldn't have cut it any closer. Yeah, but he, he gets taken up. David A.R. White doesn't. No. Nor should he in this movie. He, he's a murderer, first of all. He doesn't accept Jesus Christ into his heart. And he's an yeah. adulterer. He kisses a but woman out of wedlock. Eve? Yeah, that one confused me because she talks about, <laughs> like, growing up Jewish, but then her dad forcing the family to convert to Catholicism. I guess Stacy Keach did that, forcing them to convert to Catholicism. And yeah. then she becomes, like, a Catholic or a Christian or yeah. whatever. So, but she, Devout. she she's not good enough, I guess. But her dad is. Well, her dad does, gets raptured. She still has Jewish blood. Well, yeah, of course. And that's... Ugh, that that gets ripped out of her, too. That's why it's raining blood from the sky at one point. <laughs> Bloody sheets. You bet. You bet. <laughs> so, yeah. Stacy Keach gets raptured. Fat Scott Ackerman and Angie, his wife, both get raptured. Lots of people get raptured. There's a whole crowd scene for no reason. Oh, I guess because there's there was gunshots. Never mind. Um... Tons of people get raptured. There's an old, that, like, old, not old, I guess, but, like, older woman who was, like, a bigger woman wearing all red just walking around screaming was very funny looking to me. So I know that's a psychotic thing to say, but made me laugh. No, as far as the chaos from the beginning of the movie that is played out at the end of the movie, what I had written down is... Uh, fire truck crash. Yeah. Woman scream. <laughs> helicopter crash. Yep. No explosion for that helicopter crash. No. But the the woman scream is very iconic. She's in the middle of the street. It's very boisterous. <laughs> yeah. it, it really marks the end times correctly. I like when the truck crashes because it's driving so fast when it slams into that other car. But if that person had been raptured, then. Th the, the nothing would be like it's not like when they got raptured they slammed on the gas like the car would have been slowing down how fast was that truck driving through a commute like a neighborhood that it could hit that other car doing like 90 miles an hour like, it's just it's an absurd moment he was late for dinner and was going 200 miles an hour so when he got raptured it got taken down to 100 miles an hour Damn. but that's still fast as frick well he was a race car driver driving around yeah. the bend and then whoa well he had turbo in his truck of course much like David Arrow White in his automatic car that he slams into high gear at the end yeah. I was going to say he had cement uh, boots on but that's stupid <laughs> maybe he just had heavy shoes to further your point maybe <laughs> 
Yeah, but I, I think it's more likely that he was going 200 miles an hour uh, yeah. trying to get home for dinner. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's the only thing that tracks in this movie is how fast he was driving. Yeah, it's sweaty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, whoa, we crash into a car. The rapture happens. David Ayer White calls Eve, and she's like, come get me, I'm scared. And he goes, you got it, baby. And takes his automatic car and slams it into faster gear, faster drive, I guess, and then rips off down the street all while tapping his brake, like, uh, so many times honk, driving honk, down honk, that honk, street. Honk. Well, he's like, he rips around the corner and drives off into the distance, but then you just see his brake light just flashing. Like, he just, he keeps, he's, oh, I'm going too fast. Keep flashing, you know, <laughs> keep tapping those brakes. <laughs> and that's how you drive. That's how that, you dr- yeah, during the rapture, yeah. And then we find out at the end of the movie that Randy Travis was uh, the guy pulling all the strings. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, for some reason. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't explain anything. Doesn't. It's just a reveal to have a reveal to have a, to have Randy Travis in another filming location, a.k.a. At, the back of a car that might be the same car Stacey Keach was in, like, at earlier. At least do it in a Russian voice. And it seems like you're close enough to where the nukes would have gone off that you shouldn't have been there. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone's just in Jamestown. Site of the first nuke <laughs> that they're going to set off. Why? We should do our first live show in Jamestown. No, we're doing our first live tribute. show from the Noah's Ark Museum. Just, Sorry, the I Noah's Ark theme park. That's that's where we're going. Stupid COVID thing gets wrapped. <sighs> Open up the uh, border. Uh, COVID? <laughs> man, you you got that down. You Thanks, got man. that really down. Watch a lot of home improvement as a kid. A lot of work, yeah. <laughs> uh, Johnny, what did you think of Jerusalem Countdown Rising? I thought that not only is this a bad movie, but it also is a dangerous movie that uh, incites domestic extremism and is a very small part in why we're where we are right now. And it sucks. It sucks so much that they got so much money and stars to be in this movie. What was that Shia LaBeouf movie where he does the same thing pretty much as Fat Scott Ackerman? Spies on his neighbor, thinks they're a terrorist, and then breaks Disturbia. into their house. <laughs> Disturbia, yeah, that's exactly it. This is the Christian revelation version of Disturbia, and I yeah. give it 10 thumbs up. I think it's an important movie that teaches good lessons that everyone should learn. I don't agree with anything you just said about it, and I think that... <laughs> Everyone should check out Jerusalem Countdown on Pure Flix. See something, say something. If you see something, say something. I love you. I love you. We You're love in. you. You're in. We do love you. And we love urine. And treat other people. Like it's yeah, boys. You know, Shakaroni yeah. Obama and John Treat others like they're now watching all the movies that I'm talking about. God, we're it. Boom, boom, down. It's yeah, boys. You know, Shakaroni Obama and John to toilets now watching all the movies that I'm talking about. God, this is a peppier song, and it's got that great fade out of the music at the end there. And yeah. use this podcast is great. It's I'm proud of what I've accomplished, but I think this is a better proud. theme song proud.